Peter 3. We're going to be reading the first seven verses of this chapter, but focusing just on verses 1 through 6 in our sermon tonight. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we continue our study of this letter of Peter to the church, calling them to holy living. And in this particular section of the letter, we've been talking about how we are to be subject to the authorities, to the structures God has put in place. We are to be uh, in subject to the government, subject to our employers, and tonight, wives, be subject to your own husbands. In many ways, this is a difficult passage to preach. If with a text like this, you are too general, people leave saying, okay, that's fine in principle, but how do I do it? On the other hand, if you are too specific, we leave with a sense of legalism. Look, if I do these five things and everything's fine. So we're trying to, to the, tonight, find the balance between those two things. To specifically apply the general principles found in this text. Now tonight, we're dealing, like I said, just with the first six verses. Next week, we will deal with verse 7. So I say that kind of as a warning to the husbands. If tonight you are tempted at some point in the sermon to give your wife an elbow, this is a good point to listen to. Next week, your turn is coming. So together we will sit under the word of God tonight. Another reason it's difficult to preach a text like this is because it is so counter cultural. It goes against everything we hear in society. In fact, I say this with all sincerity, I'm a little afraid even reading this text tonight 
Wives, be subject to your husbands, lest I be accused of hate speech. That is the type of society that we live in. This is so counter to everything we hear. We are bombarded with in the news, in the newspaper, on the television. It's, our society is all about equality. There are no distinctions. We're all the same. But that is the world talking. We come tonight to hear what God has to say, and particularly what God has to say about the marriage relationship and the roles that God himself has put in the relationship of husband and wife. This would be a difficult text, perhaps, had we not been so forceful with the previous text. Previously, in this section, we looked at, at chapter 2, verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to those who punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. And we said in that sermon, you must submit. You must submit to the governing authorities. Last time, we talked about servants and their masters. We applied that to employers and employees. Verse 18 of chapter 2. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And we said, you must submit. You must be subject. And so tonight, when we begin chapter 3, and Peter says, likewise, in the same way, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. I say without apology, wives, you must submit. This is the call of God in the marriage relationship. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Peter goes on to spell out what does that mean. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. We remind ourselves that in the marriage relationship, when a wife submits to her husband, the first one she is submitting to is to God himself. It's a submissive attitude toward God and toward his design for marriage. It is, it, it is out of respect for God's authority that a wife is subject to her husband. This idea of submission is not simply the matter of, a, of an ethical moral code, and it really is not an option that you can take or leave. But this is the teaching of the Word of God, not only in this text, but in other texts. Wives be subject to your husbands. In many ways, tonight's sermon, the theme of tonight's sermon is very, very simple. But that does not mean it is very, very easy. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Maybe to help in understanding what that looks like, it's good to remind ourselves of the context into which Peter is writing. He is writing in a context where the gospel is beginning to go out and, and people are beginning to be converted. And the case actually he is addressing here is when a husband and wife who are unbelievers 
the wife hears the gospel and becomes a believer. And the question is raised then, look, if, if, if the husband is an unbeliever and the wife is a believer, is she still to be subject to him? What is her responsibility? And Peter makes it very clear. He says, in the same way, likewise, wives be subject to your husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, if they're not believers, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Just because the wife is a Christian and the husband is not, doesn't mean she does not have to be subject. Uh, the same is true with the state. Just because we are Christians and the state is anti-anything anti Christian, we are still called to submit. The same with the husband. This is how seriously God takes the husband and wife relationship. Even if he is an unbeliever, God has put a structure in marriage that wives are to be subject to. To their husbands. Now, if that is the case, when your husband is an unbeliever, then what a blessing it is to be subject when he is a believer. What a joy for the Christian wife to be in a relationship with another believing partner and to with joy honor the word of God and submit to him when we talk about, about wives being subject, it's easy to misunderstand what that means. Just because a wife is subject to her husband, it does not mean, it does not mean that he is smarter than she is. If we husbands are honest, we will say our wives are much smarter than we are. It does not mean that he knows everything. It does not mean he's better at everything. There are certainly things our wives are much better at than we are. When we say wives be subject to your husbands, it does not mean he is more spiritual than she is. In fact, many times, to our shame, our wives are more spiritually discerning. Our wives are more godly than we husbands are. No, none of those things are the case when we say wives be subject to your husbands. We are saying that none of those things change God's pattern in a marriage. In obedience to God, the wife is called to this submissive attitude to be subject to her husband. Peter goes on, telling us that the Christian wife is a beautiful wife. Verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. He says, don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair putting on of gold jewelry. 
Ladies, ladies, obey the word of God. No, he's not saying, ladies, that you should not look beautiful. Your, your husbands love it that you're so beautiful. They love it when you put on the particular dress that he likes or the particular perfume that he likes or whatever. That's not, that's not what, what Peter's talking about. What he's saying is these external things should not be the focus of your beauty. True beauty, he says, the beauty of, of submission to your husband is this gentle, quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit as you live with your husband. Because we husbands know, and we know you know, we are not always easy to live with. We're not always easy to get along with. But when you, when, you, when you come alongside your husband, even when he's being difficult, in a gentle, quiet spirit, that will, that will show your willingness to, to follow God's instruction, to be subject to him. It will, it will show your willingness to, by your gentleness and your beauty, to, to come alongside and encourage him. And then, and then even when, when major decisions have to be made in the home and you as a loving wife give your gentle, quiet counsel to your husband and he makes a decision for the direction you are going to go in as a couple or as a family and, and you find out that in God's providence he has made a bad choice and things start to fall apart then the loving wife, the Christian wife, the submissive wife does not come to her husband and say, I told you so. I told you it wouldn't work out. If only you could just for once make a good decision. That is not a gentle and quiet spirit. Even when in God's providence things turn out badly, the Christian wife gently, lovingly, comes alongside her husband and says, let's see if we can find some way to make this better. That's true beauty. A gentle, quiet spirit. She is her husband's helper. She is her husband's encourager encouraging him in his role as husband. And we'll talk about that next week, his role as husband and what he is called to do. Encouraging him in, in the gifts and talents God has given to him and the labor that he does to help to provide for the family. I guess I, I would ask you women, when was the last time you told your husband how much you appreciate him? How thankful you are that in God's good providence, he is your husband. When was the last time you told him you appreciate the gifts God has given to him and his willingness to use those gifts to care for you, to care for your family? A gentle, quiet spirit. A true beauty. 
a husband with a wife of that character, with that, that glorious, gentle beauty. That husband is willing to listen to his wife, to be instructed by his wife as he sees God's beauty coming through her. And it is a beauty that continues, again from verse 4, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And so I guess I want to address the younger women in our congregation, those who are not married yet. And I would say, ask you the question, what do you spend your time and money on? Do you spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to make yourself up to look beautiful externally that you might catch a gentleman's eye? I just want to tell you right away, if, if, if that's all that catches his eye, this is not the guy you want to get. This is not the guy you're looking for. Or are you giving yourself to develop that quiet and gentle spirit, that beauty of the heart, because it is not natural. Naturally, we are very self-centered, naturally we want our own way, and so it takes development, it takes work to develop that, 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 that true, enduring beauty. Husbands, don't forget that either. Your wives continue to grow in this, in this part of their holiness, in this part of their sanctification, and so be patient with them and encourage your wife in her godliness, as you see her developing that quiet, gentle, enduring beauty that lasts forever. I would say to the young men in this congregation who are not yet married, what are you looking for in a woman? Are you looking simply for that external beauty, and yet someone who is spiritually shallow? Look for that beauty that will continue forever, that enduring beauty of a heart that loves the Lord. It is that beauty that doesn't fade. Now, I know you wives won't believe me when I say this, but when we husbands look at you, we see you as beautiful as you were the day we married you. Because we see you as someone who has lived with us has come alongside of us, has encouraged us, and that beauty shines through you. You may think you've gotten a couple of wrinkles. You may think you've put on a pound or two. We don't see any of it. We see your enduring beauty, the beauty of a, Christ, a Christian wife, the beauty of a gentle spirit. Young men, this is the woman you are looking for perhaps not flashy on the outside, but someone who has a heart that loves the Lord, that loves his word, and that desires to share that type of love with you, an enduring, genuine beauty. And then Peter gives us an example in verse 5. He says, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves 
by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Hmm. Calling him Lord. Maybe we should try that for a week or ten. I'm not sure. No, that's not what uh, Peter's talking about here, that wives, you should call your husband Lord. But he's saying you should submit to him, as is proper in the Lord, as women from the past have always submitted to their husbands. And interestingly, in the Old Testament, we see that pattern of submission even, even sometimes when the husband is kind of adult, even when the husband is foolish, the wives are coming alongside them, helping them be better. Peter says this is the way Christian women have always submitted, have always been encouragers to their husbands. They love the Lord. They love to honor his call to holiness. And they live in this way, just like Sarah submitted to Abraham, her husband. And just like we talked about last time and the time before, the only time, women, you are not required to submit to him is when he calls you to do something which violates the law of God, to do something which is disobedient to God's revealed revelation. And, and even then, even then, with that quiet, gentle spirit, you come to him, explain how this violates God's law, and, and, and I have to believe when you come in that in that beautiful, godly submission, even the unbelieving husband would have a hard time forcing you to do something that violates God's law at that point. When he sees your willingness to gently, humbly come alongside of him. Peter says about Sarah, you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. You are your children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Fear. It is often fear of what might happen in my marriage if I actually started living like this. Fear that my husband would run over me. Fear that my husband would be a tyrant in our home. Fear that somehow my life would be terrible if I started to live according to this revelation of God. I want to encourage you, ladies, that in every part of life, including in your marriage, God is in control. He is the one who has called you to be his own. He is the one who sent his son to die that you might have life. You are precious in his sight. And he will continue to care for you. He calls you to faithfulness. He calls you to obedience to his word. And God will not, will not allow that to go unnoticed as he sees your marriage and what's taking place in your marriage. That's always the call of the gospel, to give up what we want for what God calls us to, to give up my own desires, my own ways, to do things God's way. 
And so he calls us again tonight to give up our self-centeredness, to give up our own desires, to, 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 to look outside of ourselves, to look to Jesus Christ, to what he has done for us, to the glory of salvation, to embrace him by faith, that we can begin to live according to the call of the word of God. The call to faithfulness, the call to faithful obedience because of what God has done in our lives. Peter gives Sarah as an example to the wives that he is writing to. What is the example that our young girls have today? Who do they look to for an example of a Christian wife? And you know the answer. They look to you, ladies. The girls of the church look to you for an example of what it is to live as a godly wife, of what it is to, to properly be subject to your husband. So I lovingly ask you the question, what is it that they see? Do they hear you publicly praising your husband for who he is, for the work he is doing? Or, or, or perhaps I should ask the question this way. Do they hear you tearing down your husband, berating him for uh, the bad choices he has made, for how difficult he is to live with? What do our young girls see when they look at the Christian marriages in our church? Of course, this, 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 this reality drives us to our knees. Drives us to our knees to ask that God would forgive us where we have failed to live up to his holy standards and that, and that, he, would, that he would help us to, to go forward in a way that is pleasing to him. And that, and that our, our young ladies in church would see your lack of fear, not being afraid of anything, as you go forward honoring the word of God. Tonight, I want to be an encourager to the wives in our congregation. I want to encourage you in the call, the, the, the glorious call God has given you to, to lovingly demonstrate obedience to God by your willingness to be subject to your husband. And if... If tonight you are discouraged, if you think you haven't done what God has called you to do, I want to remind you most forcefully of this. God is a forgiving God. God can forgive all of our sins. He can forgive our past failures. And so we seek forgiveness from God, and, and if necessary, we seek forgiveness from our husband. And we don't live then in the past, but we live with the hope of the future. That as God, by his spirit, gives us grace, we commit to go forward the way, the way God, through Peter, instructs us. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Because this is God's design. It is the path of blessing. There is no fear knowing God himself has ordained this plan. And that by a quiet and gentle spirit, we might see the beauty 
of God's blessing in our own marriages, perhaps even beyond what it is now, reminding ourselves God is in control of our marriage. God is in control of this most precious relationship we have, and we can trust him. We can trust him as we seek to honor his word. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we do thank you for the glorious blessing of marriage, for being husband and wife. We know, God, that, that this can be a time of absolute bliss and joy when we follow your instructions, when we follow your directions. Give us hearts, O oh God, that long to do what you would have us do. I pray for the wives here this evening that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that they might see the, the beauty of being in the marriage relationship and it might be a source of joy for them as well as for their husbands. Lord God, we pray that you would help us in our marriage relationship in every part of our life to honor your word, to honor your call to faithful obedience because of all that you have done for us. You have given us new life in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to live that new life without fear. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn to number 549 in the Trinity Psalter hymn.